Thank you for tuning in to the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, two-time acrobatic gymnastics world champion, USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame member, and world-class circus hand balancer. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment in support of the podcast, which is available on all platforms. Enjoy the show. Check out my new pro series, Think Like an Acrobat, which is available exclusively on Circus Talk. It's pro tips for professionals within the circus arts industry. Welcome to the Circus Education and Industry Survey. We want to hear from the companies, organizations, programs, schools, individual workers, and other institutions and businesses that are spreading the love of circus in the United States. Whether you run a circus school or program, work as an individual performer, teaching artist, or a circus contract worker, or own a circus performance production company, we want to hear from you. You matter, be counted. Every two years, the American Circus Educators Association, or ACE, runs a voluntary survey to collect information about circus education in the USA. ACE is a branch of the American Youth Circus Organization, or ICO. This year, ACE ICO is collaborating with the American Circus Alliance, or the ACA, to expand the survey to also gather information about the US circus performance sector. The goal of the survey is to get as complete account as possible of all circus educators, companies, and workers in the United States. ACE, ICO, and ACA will use this information to advocate for the circus industry. We know that circus education and performance have a huge impact on the lives of those who work in this industry, but to make a case for our impact on the economy and vitality of our greater communities, we need hard numbers. This survey will be open from April 1st through May 30th of 2020. 2022. If you would like additional information about the survey or to view a preview of the full survey, please go to the show notes in this episode. And I would like to speak a little bit about the survey. I actually helped to create the survey as the co-chair of the American Circus Alliance Advocacy Committee. This is our big push, everyone. This is a survey that we want to be historic. We want to represent every single aspect of circus arts within the United States. You do not have to be a member of the ACA or ACE ICO to take this survey. You can be completely, you are completely anonymous when you take this survey and we are not just looking at hard numbers of economic impact we're also looking at diversity equity inclusion or any other issues that you feel are important uh, to focus on within this industry this is what we will use to advocate for circus when we meet with local and state lawmakers which we do as a part of the american circus alliance advocacy committee all the time. We have been meeting with officials relentlessly for the past several months. Um, and we uh, look forward to doing more so with this data um, that speaks to lawmakers. This is what convinces them of uh, how much uh, effort and focus they need to give to the circus industry uh, within their city or state. Um, that's just the most the simplest way that I can uh, explain it. And it doesn't matter if you are more of a hobbyist or an enthusiast of circus. You do not have to have this big grand career or be in this big position of power or influence to take this survey. Everyone is the same. Everyone counts. Everyone should be represented uh, because everyone fuels this industry. Um, everyone is uh, everyone is responsible for making the circus industry what it is today. And so, even if you've retired from the circus arts industry, please take this survey. Uh, even if it's been touch and go for you. 
please take this survey. That is what we are seeking to understand. We want to understand the highs and lows of the impacts of circus. And we want everyone that has not been included before to be included. This is your opportunity. If you feel like you are on the fringe of the circus community, this survey is for you. We had so many different perspectives uh, that helped to create this survey. So we wanted to make sure that it was incredibly well-rounded. If you are a costume designer, if you're a lighting technician, um, if you're a creative director, if you're a choreographer, this survey is for you. If you do castings, this survey is for you. Um, if you run your own event company, this survey is for you. You run your own studio, you're an instructor, you're a teacher. Um, again, if you are someone who is just an enthusiast, if you moonlight as a circus performer, but you're from a different industry within the performing arts, if you do stunts, um, if you do acro yoga, all of these uh, overlap within the circus industry. And we want to hear from you. So the survey closes again on May 30th. So it's coming up. Please send this out to all of your networks, send it out in an email blast, share it in your stories all over your social media, uh, make TikToks about it, <laughs> do what you can to promote the survey with uh, your circus network. And please try and commit to getting at least five or 10 people to complete this survey uh, immediately. It'll just take a little bit of your time, but it would be so valuable. And thank you so much for taking the time to do the survey. You can also even incorporate this into your classes when you're teaching. So you can all do it together. You can have a survey party virtually um, with one another, with your circus community. Or if you have castmates, please get them to take the circus survey if they are working in America. You do not have to be American to take the circus survey, but you have had to have been working in America at some point doing circus over the last, uh, you know, several or few years, even if you are just starting out in circus, if you've been in circus school, if you're just uh, starting classes in circus, please take this survey. It is for you. Thank you again, everyone. And I am very excited about my guest on today's podcast. It is the founder of the Las Vegas Circus Center, Michelle Hunt. And the Las Vegas Circus Center, it's been open for less than two years, but the Las Vegas Circus Center has already become an essential operation for many members of a very specific local community, which is the circus community. Brand and Michelle Hunt opened the center in December of 2018. He runs a software company, but dabbles in juggling the unicycle, and his wife, Michelle, is involved in aerial acrobatics. The oldest of their four children is in the center's youth troupe. All of the center setups are designed to exact specifications of strip shows for the athletes convenience which explains why so many artists from Spir Cirque Spiegel World and other shows spend so much time training at the Las Vegas Circus Center. The massive warehouse space offers plenty of space for weightlifting, aerobic workouts and dance training in addition to its vast collection of specialized circus arts apparatuses, everything from teeter boards to Russian swings. There's even an America Ninja Warrior style stunt course. Please welcome to the show the founder of the Las Vegas Circus Center Michelle Hunt. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? Thank you so much for coming on to the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> You're so welcome, Michelle. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast to speak about everything that you and your husband, Bran, have done 
for and with the Las Vegas community here um, in Nevada through the Las Vegas Circus Center, which is so epic for listeners out there <laughs> that are unfamiliar with the Las Vegas Circus Center. Well, you know, this is <laughs> your it's your time to get very much dialed in. Uh, you guys are really such a force here in Las Vegas, Michelle. And um, I say that from someone who has been around and in circus for so long and has been working in and out of Vegas since 2005. And I have been in almost every single center, gymnastics gym that's offered circus. And you guys very much rival uh, Europe. I've spent most of my career performing in Europe and in Asia. And I feel like what you've done with the Las Vegas Circus Center, which is, again, really, really huge. Um, the facility in terms of quality and accessibility is really brilliant. And we don't see a lot of that within America. It's still very rare, even though circus is so mainstream and so vital and such a, uh, you know, in such a, you know, huge, huge, huge kind of uh, phenomenon here in America now as well. Um, we don't see um, uh, circus centers on this scale um, like we do with the Las Vegas Circus Center. So I would love for you, Michelle, to start out and just let listeners know who you are and how you came to develop the Las Vegas Circus Center that everyone has grown to love so much and depend on so much. I am there um, every other day. And so I see you often, Michelle, and I'm grateful for the Las Vegas Circus Center. And um, you know, even if the Las Vegas Center is fairly new, you launched in about mm-hmm. 2018, uh, it feels like you've right. been around for a very long time, actually. And you also, to survive the pandemic, um, you allowed a lot of careers to survive through COVID and through the fierce lockdowns. I don't like to say through the pandemic because I know that we're not officially and fully out of it. But through the harsh right. of lockdowns, um, Las Vegas Circus Center definitely provided um, a haven for the artist circus community here in Vegas um, that I have heard about so much. Um, And it's definitely, people are incredibly appreciative for what you and Brand have done. So I know that was a long way. Thank you. But um, yes, more about you, Michelle, and how you came to be with uh, you and your beautiful family. Well, thank you. We started, as you said, Las Vegas Circus Center around 2018 in December. Uh, It was quite a project. We moved to Vegas in... um, 2002. So we've been here for about 20 years, Um, came here for a job, not related to circus. And um, quickly, as our kids grew up, we were looking for a summer activity for them. And we ran into um, Sarah, who was a um, performer in Ka and um, beautiful. I met her for coffee to start a program with, um, to start joining their program with our kiddos. And um, unfortunately, the day before it was supposed to, camp was supposed to start, she passed away in a tragic accident. Um, it was Cirque. And so we never really got to go with that program. Um, but another studio here in town that had just opened up, um, at the time it was called White Palms Academy, picked up her students and um, introduced all of them to her to this um, industry. And we kind of just fell in love from there, became um, quite a passion. We have a lot of... Um, friends that are performers, professional artists, coaches. And um, we just saw a need to have a place that had everything in one spot that someone who needed to do cereal and needed a hard floor 
had that floor that they could use or a flying trapeze that needed a place to train um, in between shows, had a place to train and grow. Then we needed it. We needed spring floors. We needed trampolines. We wanted something that had everything in one place for anything a Cirque artist um, or even an everyday person um, could have in one place. And so we started searching for, first we started searching, we came up with a business plan. We started searching for a building. It took us about six months to find a building. Um, Vegas isn't, building places aren't super happy about opening up a circus facility. They don't understand what it is. They don't want to insure it. Um, You need a lot of height. So um, we we started the process. It took us about six months. We went through multiple places. A couple places we we tried. Um, Amazon bought out the whole building. A um, couple places um, UFC bought out. Um, so um, the location we're at now actually was the last location that we we picked. We looked at, and um, they said, "Yeah, okay, we'll give it a shot." And so after working on insurance and and everything. And I actually think this is our best spot. We couldn't have picked a better place. It's a good location. We have super high ceilings, 52,000 square feet of space that we can grow and improve and change. I don't think we'll ever be finished fixing things and changing things and helping come up with new ideas and bringing in new equipment um, to meet the needs of our local talent here in town. So it's been quite a project. It's, it sounds like it, Michelle. That's really, that's really fascinating in terms of not being able to get insured of buildings, even within Vegas, not wanting to have a circus center, um, which is like kind of crazy to me when I think about it. Yeah. it, it this is like the city for a circus. <laughs> and they're like, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, and it, it's difficult, you know, again, I, my background is from the gymnastics world, from the acrobatic gymnastics world. And so I grew up um, with business owners coming into the gymnastics um, world and trying to open up gyms. And so for mm-hmm. me, you and Bran are very, a very familiar story to me because so many, oh, not so many, but ones that could and dare to try parents of uh, athletes mm-hmm. and uh, of fellow colleagues that I worked with when I was really little competing opened up gymnastics and acrobatic gyms. And at that time, that was before mm-hmm. circus had its um its its hold um and that there wasn't the same level of immediate crossover even though uh, right. so many of the gymnasts and acrobats were going into circus and going into Cirque du Soleil there wasn't the crossover within the gyms yet they were still pretty separate but I know and understand to a certain extent what that business model is and how hard mm-hmm. it is <laughs> and especially yeah. just starting out um and a lot of the spaces that I was in growing up were very in much more rural I would say cities um, they were not usually based in big metropolitan type cities like Vegas has become mm-hmm. or in hyper competitive cities either. Um, they were pretty, they were usually about an hour outside of a very big major city um, so that they could be viable and that they could stay afloat because it's again, very difficult is what you said. Right. A lot of different components that go into creating a facility um, and being able to get access to, to run a space of this size. What does it take to run the Las Vegas Circus Center, Michelle. And can you also too speak about the very um, uh, vast and multidisciplinary, um, you know, uh, categories that you offer in terms of servicing, mm-hmm. um, in terms of acrobatic movement, because you offer so, so, so much. Right. It takes a lot. We have right now, if I, I can't even think of how many, total, we probably have about 40 
coaches on staff that we rotate through for privates and regular classes. So it takes a lot of coaches. Our coaches are all either currently working artists or retired um, or somewhere in between. Um, so they're very highly skilled. We couldn't do it without them. We couldn't build this space without the people that we have surrounded ourselves with, that they came in and they they helped us build. They helped us pick. We worked with engineers to make sure that we built the proper, it was really important to us to have the proper safety rigging, um, all of the things, high quality, state of the art, um, custom engineered to make sure that everything was as safe as it possibly could be. And so um, we're lucky enough to surround ourselves with such super talented, experienced people, which I think helps us to be successful. Um, we have three, currently three full-time staff members that are here all, all the time. We're open seven days a week. All of our other staff members that are here working part-time that work a lot of hours as well, they keep us running. I couldn't do it without them. So I, they're incredible. Our open gym members that we have are a bit, we're a big family. It's so happy to see them successful. We went from, I mean, we opened in 2018. We were open for about a year and then the pandemic hit. And we closed for three months. Every Our entire client base lost their jobs for almost two years. And so um, we had to give them something that we still had to be able to pay rent, but we wanted to give them a space where they could come in and train and wait and stay in shape for their chance to get back to work. So um, it hasn't been easy, but um, we're really lucky to have the people that we have around us and um, to appreciate what we have. So I can't, I can't complain. They're great people. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. And and I can also too attest to that too. And just for listeners out there, I mean, uh, the Circus Center has uh, performers from so many Cirque shows um, that, you know, come during the day and then go and do their Cirque shows at night. Um, and that's a very normal and regular occurrence for those that are unfamiliar with the Las Vegas scene and how that works. Um, you ha actually have access to actual Cirque performers when you are coming into mm -hmm. the Las Vegas Circus Center um, to coach your kids or to get coached yourself. Um, and the, you know, the Las Vegas community has really changed um, and evolved over the years too. Um, Michelle. And again, the Circus Center really speaks to that. There's a combination. There's a huge um, acro yoga community um, that yes. is now uh, in uh, Las Vegas that wasn't here before. There is a huge parkour mm -hmm. community that uh, has really come into Las Vegas and really made their home here too. I come from the stunting community, obviously, because I live and work in Las Vegas as well. And a lot of stunt people have come and uh, made their home base as well within Las Vegas. So you very much uh, hold uh, a lot of different uh, genres uh, within the Las Vegas right. Center, which is which is so great um, and so important because not all spaces are able to accommodate everything because they don't have the spacing. Usually they don't have the height um, to offer um, aerialists um, and people that want to try different other dynamic types of acrobatic work. What do you feel that you guys did differently, obviously to Michelle, to make it through the pandemic and not just that, but to make the Circus Center what it is? Because there are places that have tried but have not succeeded. Um, and I always am very interested to understand maybe what the difference was in formula. Um, and sometimes I think there is no different formula and sometimes things just don't work out. But I mm -hmm. also too am very interested to think um, and to understand maybe uh, what your perspective is on that. And if you guys 
do see that you did things that were different um, or got insight or got assistance? Did you reach out to um, other circus um, uh, communities within Vegas to help to move forward in that way and to maybe learn from them? Or did you use your, I know you guys have extensive uh, business backgrounds as well. Um, you know, you're yeah. not lightweight business people. So I know that <laughs> has helped, right? you know, largely within uh, you infusing that. And that is sometimes what the circus community has lacked in some ways in right. doing businesses. Um, but having yes. this creative know-how, but not fusing it with the business know-how um, and how all of those things to come together that make something viable and successful. And also too, I guess, privy to investors that want to support you and help you stay afloat too, if that's necessary. Yeah, I, that's, you're, you're right. I think that is what, what the rest of the, um, the circus community was missing. They were missing the business aspect. So we're lucky um, to have the business background. Um, Lucky and not lucky, I would say. Um, lucky because it helps us come up with a good business plan. We try to keep, we try to pay well. We want to make sure that our full-time staff are insured. Um, we cover an astronomical amount of insurance to keep the gym safe and up and running. And we invested a lot in proper engineering and rigging. Um, those kind of things will hopefully keep us safe and keep us top-notch up and running. Um, the business aspect is hard. It's it's not a profitable venture. It's more of a passion. And so um, by surrounding ourselves with passionate artists, we've been able to, along with engineers, we reached out to some um, retired engineers from CERC who helped us build our, um, come up with a plan for building our trapeze rig, which is unique. We've reached out to some some of our friends who have um, trapeze rigs in Canada who also gave us some ideas and wh where the best place to buy equipment is. We have a rigger come in and rigged and inspected. We had engineers come in and inspect the building and the roof and make sure where are the safe places to hang things? Where is everything? So that that's expensive. And um, not all the places do that. So we've tried to do the right thing. Not everybody likes that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily always popular because um, things are more expensive. But um, I like to think that we're trying to provide a safe environment that will be around and protect people and give people a place to come and enjoy. It's also really inspiring. I feel like... Um, because it's great we have our professionals that come in and train. We see them every day. We love them. And then we have our classes that start in the afternoon from little kids up to teenagers to adults who just want to try something new. And they can be inspired by watching professionals and be like, oh, my gosh, this is this maybe a little 10-year-old. This is their goal in life. They've been inspired to come up with a new passion just from watching somebody train hand-to-hand or somebody do tramp wall. And so um, we hope that by doing that and having our unique artwork on the wall, it gives a warm and inviting feeling for all kinds of different people from all different levels. And it's family run. And I love that you yeah. have your family uh, at the Las Vegas Circus Center. Um, I think that's really beautiful. And again, that's something that I grew up with, with seeing families stay together and have an entire family effort within their gym yeah. space or within their studio space. And uh, having it family informed, I think is really uh, lovely mm -hmm. and creates um, a really gentle atmosphere and friendly atmosphere and open atmosphere where you feel like you can bring your children there where they can grow. And there are not, again, a lot of spaces that accommodate you where you can go from being maybe in an open gym to seeing that you can have a viable circus career. Um, and that is mm -hmm. important. 
I think, within the development of the Las Vegas Circus Center because you have a pathway. I love also, too, that the Las Vegas Circus Center, you know, you guys uh, host different benefits. You host uh, different um, auditions, people that are seeking to transition into careers out of circus school Mm -hmm. can seek opportunity through the Las Vegas Circus Center. So you're also, too, not just trying to keep folks training um, for the sake of training. You're actually offering paid opportunities by way of the Las Vegas Circus Center, which is, again, unique. Um, I think sometimes people see things Mm -hmm. that are done and said, they think, oh, this is like this everywhere uh, in America, but it's not actually. And so I think it's great that you partner with so many different uh, companies and so many different uh, circus efforts. Um, And obviously not just through circus. And you can also speak to that too, Michelle, um, in the other initiatives that maybe you're connected to, maybe in terms of even like nonprofit work as well, um, that the Las Vegas mm-hmm. Center does within the community or to affect the overall community. But you definitely provide a lot of tools. Um, I think you also to provide workshops to a certain extent as well. But I very much appreciate that model um, that the Circus Center um, has sought to uh, expand upon, which I've seen, which I know you'll continue to do more of. But there is always something happening just beyond being able to come and train at the Las Vegas Circus Center. That's true. Um, we always wanted to, um, I mean, our goal is always to give back something to the community. Um, so we, we've tried to host a lot of, we, we have charities of the month. Um, last year we hosted um, with COVID and coming back, we hosted our charity. We p- p- picked a charity of the year. We always try to stick with local charities as well. Last year, our charity of the year was NAMI, which, were, which focuses on helping people find assistance for mental health, which is a huge need right now with everybody and all the things that have gone around and affected people with our community losing their jobs and um, having to start fresh and people getting injured. So it's a really important um, aspect. This year, our charity, we're featuring um, Cure for the Kids Foundation, which has been a near and dear charity to us since our, our one of our children um, was treated there when they were little. And um, we could not have gotten better care. So we're trying to, anytime we do any kind of, um, we do periodic shows here at the gym. We'll always try to sell the tickets, match what we make. The money goes 100% to our charity of the year. And um, we raised quite a bit of money last year. This year, we hope to do the same for Cure for the Kids Foundation. And um, we try to help out. We have um, community events we try to help with as well. Um, we helped with the Japanese event over our over Viva Fest weekend to raise some money for them. Um, we also um, have an upcoming event with the local police department for um, underprivileged youth that's coming up in July. So we try to keep involved with the community as well. But still, the important thing I think is um, because there's so many artists that need a place to train, we always try to keep our class sizes small, our summer camps small, so that they don't impede on the training for the professionals as well. So we can have both going on, but neither one of them gets in each other's way. And then we work with um, we've worked with movie productions for filming. We've worked with other companies coming in for rehearsals. So we have a lot of different options that we can provide for people. And you also offer spaces where performers can film. For example, their mm-hmm. performances. You have like a theater um, that the space transitions into, so you can shoot a demo reel inside of the circus center and uh, have again a 
beautiful show within these circumstances yes. of lighting. You have, you know, you have a very uh, kind of uh, hyper mobile space um, that can transition to all sorts of things, which is also very useful as well, because that's another thing that circus artists need and circus companies need, um, auditions mm-hmm. need, uh, where they need a space yes. that is hyper functional. And um, you have a, a yoga space, uh, you know, a little hyper yoga studio uh, in the back. There's a few different rooms actually within the um, within the Las Vegas Circus Center that uh, are useful for different facets because again, everybody is so multifaceted and multidimensional. And so I think it's really great that there's a space that you can use in a lot of different ways without going out of pocket to a lot of different spaces, which can get expensive and which can get right. consuming and which is difficult. And so we're always looking, if you're a circus artist or if you're a circus entrepreneur or a circus uh, owner, business owner, we're looking for functional spaces that can give us a little bit of everything that we need to survive and be viable and uh, keep ourselves within the business doing well. Yeah, that's right. So we we just recently, I, I believe last year, we we created our curtain space. So we have a full theater lighting um, sound system. We can raise and lower the curtains for auditions. We can use it for, um, like you said, we have artists that come in and film after hours. They'll come in and film during our quiet hours as well. We can do our showcases there. We've done a few pro shows. We hope to bring more of those back, which gives our performance artists a, a chance to come in and perform. And it gives us a chance to invite um, casting from throughout our community to come in and watch them perform, which can potentially lead them to other job opportunities as well, which is important for us. Anytime we get asks for job opportunities, we always try to reach out to those of our regular open gym members, try to find them um, a good match and help as much as we can. So it's worked out really well. We've gotten a lot of people um, different opportunities. We've gotten auditions that have come in and our little student showcases for our kiddos has worked out really well too. So it's a great balance of everything. Yes, I think it's a great balance of everything. And I think that, again, that is uh, very sweet, um, all of the different uh, stages that someone can come to the Las Vegas Circus Center for. Um, It's not just one thing. So for listeners out there, if you're thinking that there is something that you need um, that is not working for you in the space that you're in, the Las Vegas Circus Center is some place that can potentially and possibly, I think, absorb um, that weight for you. Um, it's also, too, I think, uh, pretty cost effective uh, in terms of what you can get access to. The open gym is uh, three hour segments, which is very generous, I think, um, in terms of what you, again, have access to with being able to work independently um, and have access Mm -hmm. to coaching, have access to uh, uh, lunges or spotting um, if you need it with the coaches that are there, that are certified, that are informed. um, And that can assist you again in growing because again, sometimes people don't have the money to pay for privates, but they can pay a monthly fee, um, which can get them into a program and get them into a space, but having access to those that can help you to learn new tricks um, safely uh, within a space and are qualified is also to something that you don't get everywhere um, at every studio. Um, and that is, again, unique to the Las Vegas Circus Center. I wanted to ask you too, again, Michelle, what um, what has been, I think, the biggest growth that you have seen uh, within the time that you've been involved in circus and how has that changed from not being, from being, from not being a studio owner to being a studio owner in terms of what you see through circus and also to being a mom um, and having uh, children that are in circus um, and that are seeking circus opportunity and how that has changed kind of like your insight into circus. I mean, circus yet you can't get a degree for it, 
uh, per, per se right. um, in college or at a university, which I'm actually on committees and advocacy that are working on that um, uh, to try and see how we can potentially have circus arts as an art form recognized um, and then have recognition um, through uh, through uh, getting college credits and through getting a degree in circus. Uh, even though you can be certified through circus in different ways, you can't necessarily get mm-hmm. a recognized master's in circus. And before, right. this used to be something that parents, um, it was, you know, they, they didn't really like that. And so for them, they thought, well, this isn't something that my child will do long term. Uh, they need to have something else to fall back on. But now it's no right. longer that way. And now it's really a full-fledged career where you see, well, my child maybe doesn't need to be a full-on performer for their entire life. They can go into a lot of different spaces within circus and hold a lot of different hats and different roles. But how has that informed you for parents out there? And again, for those that are not yet entrepreneurs in this space that are maybe seeking to become entrepreneurs in this circus space. I've seen it grow a lot. I mean, we've been in a weird situation because we opened, we were only open for a year. We were just starting to get the hang of things and get more people coming in and getting to know us and recognize us. And then everything closed down. And we're, so we're still kind of recuperating from, from that. And, um, but we, I think the most honest, I think my husband credit, the most brilliant thing that we did was um, put art on our walls. And initially, I didn't want to put art on the walls because I thought it was an expensive thing that we didn't need. But it has become an iconic, if you see the wall, you know where you're at kind of thing. So I have to say that was brilliant marketing on their part. And and the artists who who, who were up and coming artists at the time, have their, their careers have blown up as well. So that was brilliant on us. But we've seen people come in. We have some students. We have I have a performance troupe where our more advanced students that ranges in age from we have a new one that just started from nine up until up to seventeen. We have three of them graduating, two of them graduating this year, one graduating next year, and um, they both they're all more than capable of starting to audition, and they're at the age where they're old enough to audition and start um, getting out there in the world if that's what they want. And so um, I think for them to see that people around them have grown and we see people get auditions and lose auditions and, and to be able to cope with that. So by giving this opportunity then to, to them to be inspired and we're able to start presenting them to audition options and giving them these opportunities, they see that there is a career path. Um, even with my own kiddos, they're all different levels at how much they're involved in the circus community. I have one that's very involved and I don't think um, people give circus the credit that it deserves. Um, I think it's on the same level as I would say gymnastics. I mean, I have one of my kids trains probably 25, 30 hours a week, just like any other gymnast would, but they're not going to get a scholarship for that. Um, But I mean, in their world, in my world as a parent, I don't care as long as I see them happy. And so I think more parent, I see more parents coming in um, with their kids who are kind of burnt out on other things and they don't want to necessarily compete and they want another way to express their creativity, which I think circus gives people that. They have the opportunity to be creative and they welcome all different kinds of aspects of creativity, which you don't get from some of the other sports and options. So I think it's becoming really popular as the world becomes more open-minded to different options and different things that people can explore. Um, but there's not scholarships, which is hard for parents who want, like they take the gymnastics route, you could get a scholarship and pay for your college. So I hope in the future that they'll have something like that and they'll have an opportunity for people. Right now, we're just waiting and training and hoping for the best. But I do see more and more kids coming in and trying 
to expand their creativity and see where they can do a little bit more on their own versus having to follow a strict guideline is you have to do this, this, this to get to this level and you have to do that to get to the next level. So I think we give them more freedom to be able to express themselves. Yes, I agree. And I, I really love that too, because I even grew up with um, so many people or, you know, gymnasts and acrobats and such that were burned out um, on the competitive space. And they were looking for mm-hmm. something that was more free form um, and something that uh, was, mm-hmm. was uh, felt felt more, I think, uh, emotionally sound for them, because I think we all create in different ways. We all work in different ways. The competitive world is right. not for everyone. Even the competitive circus world is not for everyone. Um, and so I think that it's important uh, that there have been these spaces that have been created where if this like speaks to you better, then this is probably the space you have to go in, you should go into and you don't have to feel like you have to, you know, do that right. hyper crazy training, um, you know, going mm-hmm. for the Olympics, but you have these basic great gymnastics or acrobatic skills that you've worked mm-hmm. really hard for, but that you can take right. into the more artistic circus space and utilize those and be happier. And even too, when I speak with parents, when they're speaking about, you know, maybe like not a college scholarship path, they say, well, I mean, you know, they can go and make money right away. So that's also still too. That's, yes, that is true. It's, it's that, that's true. And yeah, it's true. And I think um, gymnasts, who necessarily maybe don't necessarily want to go all the way to the competitive Olympic route and, and even acro, they do incredibly well. in and with that foundation as a circus artist, they, they're incredible dancers as well. It's a great found. Any of those things are a great foundation to start um, a cir- the circus route. If that's something that you want to do, some people just do it recreationally. Other people have big dreams and goals, but um, I think there's room for everybody, which is great. Yes. And we're like currently too seeking to like um, figure out the full language of circus arts expression within America. And I think what you said is really great, Michelle, because again, there's no rhyme or reason to how you do circus. And so you can do it as a hobbyist. You can do it as an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the enthusiasts and hobbyists have driven um, the circus arts world. And um, they're the ones, again, that have come into it and done it as uh, passion projects like you have uh, with your husband, Bran, in terms of creating a circus studio. So I also see that those that are coming in uh, with different mindsets as well end up creating things that are mm-hmm. really, really beautiful because you have different influences coming forward. Um, you have different perspectives, which I think are also too very right. important. Um, and that also too will open up the minds to others that have been maybe involved in for a long time that maybe they couldn't see a pathway forward. But, you know, when you have different minds that come in from outside places, I think that's really great. I oftentimes uh, encourage people on the podcast to seek out those that are outside of circus to get ideas and to get information to bring that back into the circus arts community to assist in the growth mm-hmm. of circus um, in terms of circus studios, um, in terms of business know-how. Um, I have my own other podcast, Think Like an Acrobat on Circus Talk, which is a pro series that offers tools and insights within business for the circus community also that kind of builds on these tools and aspects. But that's, again, another important reason of why I wanted you on, Michelle, as well. Um, uh, first of all, again, you're so lovely. Your family is so beautiful. But I definitely love what you've done in a very short amount of time um, here in Vegas in the mark that you've made uh, in Vegas as well, doing something that is not easy to do, but done it with a lot of care, obviously done it with a lot of hyper focus on safety and regulation, um, which again, mm-hmm. sometimes can fall to the wayside within the circus arts community, which again, I'm on advocate yes. committees that are working on getting 
uh, better policies in and around regulations for circus studios, for circus companies, for example, that create these safety nets um, that protect artists uh, in terms of technical aspects, but then also to now protect artists mm-hmm. moving forward and companies moving forward in terms of funding and viability. Um for circus studios, for example, because you are the hubs for the industry. Um, and without, you know, important sector, important uh, communities like the Las Vegas Circus Center, a lot of circus performers and companies probably wouldn't have survived in the way that they did through this time. And Michelle, can you also speak to like what your perspective is on the professional circus industry at large here too, in terms of seeing Cirque du Soleil and seeing the shows um, and seeing how the companies work and just like going in and out of communicating and working with those that are employed by such a big company like Cirque du Soleil here, what that's like and what that impact has on your business um, being here and being homegrown and being local, um, being local business that serves um, such a huge reservoir because you serve a big company. <laughs> you serve, you help serve to select directly and indirectly, <laughs> you know, do what they right. do by providing so much opportunity for their artists. And especially when things were down um, and now that they're up and like you said, also to amplifying careers um, through the Las Vegas Circus Center and getting artist work, which again, these are different things that we didn't have access to before within the circus community. Obviously, uh, now we have that via social media, we have that via um, uh, hubs like the Las Vegas Circus Center. But these are all different ways that uh, those within the performing arts and circus arts are able to have careers, um, but not just through the old paradigms or the old kind of like gatekeepers that we had before. But what has that experience been like for you and how do you see all of those moving parts? Uh, it's it's hard to work with the the big companies. Um, we work with um, we work with Spiegel a lot. Spiegel um, is a big up and coming um, facilitator here in town. They they have a lot of artists. Um, they're very easy to, to work with. They're delightful people. Actually, um, they do a lot of casting um, calls w- within the community, and I mean, give, I'd like that. There's different places. So we have our Cirque du Soleil. Um, we help them out with auditions. Sometimes we help them out with. Um, recommendations. We, we help them out if they need equipment. Um, so it kind of depends. Um, I have some meetings with some coming up in a couple weeks um, to see how else we can help. So it just varies. We work with so many different people. We've worked with, um, we have another uh, group, a really small, we have small and big companies that we help. We've helped out with um, King Charles Troop, which is a old um, unicycle troop that's been around for a very long time. Um, they're looking for casting. So we're trying to help them and they haven't cast in quite a while. So we're trying to help them look for talent. And um, it's it's not easy, but I, I think it's great that they can just come in and we can walk around a little bit and introduce them to people that they might not know and kind of help them look for people. If I see something pop up, I always try to make sure that um, I let people know. People will send us emails and say, hey, I'm looking for someone that can do this. And um, I'll reach out and try to get connections and see if I can help as much as I can. So we've been pretty successful um, with some of our artists and not everything works out. We just hosted um, Ringling Brothers recently who are doing a um, comeback, getting ready to open their show back up. So that was pretty special. And um, I can't wait to see what comes up in the future. Yes, and it's interesting. Ringling is coming back without animals, um, and that's a big mm-hmm. uh, topic of conversation through the through the circus community now of how that informs circus um, moving forward, how that informs circus moving forward in America. Uh, those are very big, touchy subjects, I would say, and um, and right. 
I, I am, you know, and that I think speaks again to the evolution of the circus industry and Las Vegas Circus Center is very much on that pulse. So speaking to those listening in, the Las Vegas Circus Center is a reservoir, I would say, of networking um, in the way that I see um, how you bring uh, the community together and obviously the overlap of different communities and genres, Michelle. And it's great that you assist in so many ways um, of giving a leg up to smaller uh, companies, smaller businesses. What would you say in terms of assistance that circus studios need moving forward, Michelle? I today, before I got on this podcast with you, was uh, in a meeting with Senator Cortez Masto, uh, the Senator mm-hmm. of Nevada. And so I was speaking with her on behalf of the American Circus Alliance Advocacy Committee um, and advocating Great. for the circus workers and circus industry. And so they're always asking uh, what we need help with and what companies, what small businesses um, that are circus informed what help and assistance we need moving forward um, for generations to come, immediate assistance, long-term. We are speaking to them about different policies and legislations and different reforms that are on the docket, but they're also interested in things that have not even been created yet. So we're also working on creating circus language uh, for these statutes or policies that we could get created and get presented to Congress, um, for example, um, and get passed in Washington, D.C., that would affect uh, the circus uh, community and industry here in Las Vegas and here in Nevada. So I would love to um, understand how you see that aspect of things, Michelle, in terms of what could be done more to help smaller circus studios here, smaller mm-hmm. circus businesses. We're all technically small businesses. Even if you're one person and right. you pay yourself, you are a small business um, that would love to have access to grants and to loans and things of that nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely would. I mean, we, we, we don't have investors in our company. We're just family owned, just the two of us, my husband and I, um, I do most of the, I run most of it day to day. I bounce off ideas and big things with him because I need an extra, extra ear and he's more of a businessman. So he's great help for me. Um, the hardest thing as a studio owner, and I think anyone who owns a circus studio will, would say is insurance. Insurance is astronomical. It is the biggest expense that I think we have, and I would assume most places have, it's just, it's insane how much insurance and the cost of it is. If there was a way to have, I don't even know if there is regulated or a way to have insurance that makes it more affordable for um, studio owners to be able to stay open and to allow people to um, not spend so much money on insurance, it would be a huge help. And I think it would help a lot more circus studios stay afloat. Because there is just, it's it's ridiculous how much we have to do to stay open and how much of our revenue goes to covering um, those kind of things. And um, we get a lot of flack for that sometimes. Um, we're very strict on um, who can train. We're very strict, not who can train, but we're very strict on coaching. We're very strict on what people do. We require a lot of mats. Um, people don't always like that when they're performing. They don't want to use a mat. But we have to be protected. We have to keep our people safe. And um, we're going to do it the right way, whether it costs us customers or not. That's the way it's going to be. But it's a very big expense. Um, I also think that, um, as we saw through the pandemic, um, a lot of artists, if they're not in a big show like Cirque or Spiegel, they're not necessarily being paid as a W-2 employee, which in a normal world wouldn't have allowed them to be qualified for unemployment. And um, I think that they should 
they should regulate that more um, so that they don't have this gig workers thing where they, if the government hadn't stepped in, there's a whole lot of artists that wouldn't have had any income at all. And so I think that's another important thing that we need to look at in making sure that um, artists are paid properly and they're protected. But also they need to be um, the W-2, they need to be W-2 or there needs to be a way, some kind of way for them to get protected if something like this were to, God forbid, ever happen again. Yes, those are all so brilliant, Michelle, and so important. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your perspectives on that. Um, these are things, again, that were glaring, became glaringly obvious again for the circus industry mm -hmm. when the pandemic hit. And these are things that even though things have opened up and people are starting to get more comfortable, we don't want those to go fall to the wayside because we know that there will always be something that destabilizes the industry. I remind those that have not maybe been in circus for a very long time that we survived the crash of 2008-2009. It impacted the circus industry, circus studios, immensely. And there was mm -hmm. nothing that we could do. The government did not step in at that time and give us assistance like they did during this pandemic. They did not give us grants. Right. Um, they did not give us access to loans. We didn't get unemployment benefits in the exact same way. And if we were a non-employee, which most of us are, I think about like 95% right. of circus workers just in general are gig workers. So that's the techs, that's the costume designers, the makeup artists, mm -hmm. um, behind the scenes crew. If you're not a part of those unions that are like stage unions, and again, most of the unions that we have are like the crew and the production that get access to those different types of benefits. But overall, within the circus industry, we do not have any kind of unionization, which we cannot have because we're actually independent contractors and we have to be employed by a company to be able to do so. We're also encouraging Cirque du Soleil workers, for example, to potentially form their own union um, uh, because they are employees and they can get some rights and get some ongoing benefits if they right. were to do so and they could actually get those benefits very quickly and faster um, then by advocating in an independent way actually that we're doing right now this is our collective effort through the American Circus Alliance to be able to do so right. we actually did speak to Senator um, Cortez Masto who which I want to remind anyone living in Nevada or Las Vegas she is up for re-election right now and so it would be very advantageous for you to reach out to her on your own through an email or through a phone call and tell her what you would like to see changed and that she will ensure your vote by doing so. Um, that's, again, how you get them to recognize your needs. And actually, Senator Masto was very well versed on the difficulties of gig workers and being misclassified as gig workers, as we often are as circus workers. Mm -hmm. And so her um, office uh, is actually very uh, dismayed that we get thrown into like the Uber driver, um, Lyft driver category of gig workers. Right, exactly. They say that's usually what people only think of. They don't think of circus mm -hmm. workers when they think of the gig worker, the independent contractor. And so we talked about that misclassification again today, Michelle, with the senator's office, and they actually have a lot of ideas moving forward with that, which we hope that we can actually Get that turned into something real um, moving forward with more and deeper regulations and what kind of bill would that look like? What kind of policy or law would they need to pass to ensure that uh, workers of our nature, studio workers right. of sorts um, are protected moving forward uh, when something like this happens again? I mean, we, we'll always have, again, something that destabilizes the entertainment market. Um, and we lost a lot of our circus community through this, which was very unfortunate. And so we're also 
also speaking again to anyone who had to retire out to give their mm-hmm. advice, to give their perspective and get, to give their assistance to the community that's still going so that we can, you know, kind of preserve it moving forward. Uh, but thank you again for that insight, Michelle. And thank you again for coming on to the podcast. I know you are incredibly busy. You run this service center all day, every day, and you have a big family and you're amazing. And I don't know how you do it. And I always just have thank you. respect for, you know, for, for, for you, Michelle, um, for all the different hats that you wear and making it look so easy and being so lovely and being so nice um, as you do it. Because again, you take on so much and it's very stressful. I have seen many families do this over the years and it is a stressful business. And so I, again, uh, tip my hat to you and your family for making it through so much and making such a big impact. And I uh, hope that Las Vegas Circus Center continues to do that um, for years to come uh, in the way that it is doing now. And, And surely you'll just continue to expand. I wanted to ask you just for your parting words, Michelle, from the podcast, what your um, future visions are uh, for the Las Vegas Circus Center. um, And uh, in terms of, I don't know, expansion or uh, uh, the kind of footprint that you would like uh, to continue to leave. And uh, yeah, just maybe the ideas that you have right now that are maybe just uh, still formulating, but aren't uh, necessarily uh, being done yet, but things that we can look forward to from the Las Vegas Circus Center, or even ideas that you would like to see others produce within the Las Vegas circus scene that aren't necessarily out there yet, but that maybe you guys don't have the bandwidth to do because you already do so much. Right. Um, You know, the the unique thing about Las Vegas Circus Center is I don't think we'll ever be finished. I think we're going to constantly evolve and change. Um, We get requests for things all the time, swinging trapeze. We get requests for... um, all kinds of different things. So I think we're, it takes time to research and figure those things out. So people have to be patient with us, but our goal is to continue to add and grow and improve our space and add more things. I would love to have more shows available, more charity that we could recommend. We could charity events that we could host. Um, We, we work, we've been working with some movie productions and things like that um, to expand and give other opportunities to other people as well as, um, we can pretty much film a lot of things here. Um, I'd like to see us grow in that aspect too, which helps cover our rent costs and things like that and give other people different opportunities. Um, I'd love to see more um, kids coming up and growing and learning and continue to see, we see people move here and come and visit us from all over the world. And I just hope that we continue to grow and have so many great people that we can meet and help expand their um, horizons and their futures. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Michelle, for coming on to Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I really appreciate your time so much and all the listeners really appreciate your time and your insight so, so much. It's so valuable. And uh, thank you. And I wish you well. And I look forward to seeing you at the Las Vegas Circus Center. And also, too, if you could leave us, Michelle, with how can we find you online and how can those that are listening in contact the Las Vegas Circus Center? You can find us online, our website, www.lasvegascircuscenter.com. Instagram, we're at Las Vegas Circus Center. Um, You could always give us a call. All of our information is on our website. We also have an app, and we are more than happy to take emails as well. Um, So we look forward to meeting new people, making new friends, and we'll see you soon.
Wonderful. I wanted to leave all listeners with the Live Like an Acrobat podcast is also available on Circus Talk, the inclusive, independent, and international online network for the circus industry. Circus Talk's mission is to create a level playing field for this industry and democratize access to information. Until next time, please everyone stay safe and stay well. Join the Live Like an Acrobat podcast on Patreon. Become a patron. Enjoy early episode releases of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast and stay tuned for more exclusive content to come in the future as the community grows. Help me, your host, Shanae Stiletto, to keep bringing you the creatively innovative episodes that you've grown to love by signing up at www.patreon.com slash live like an acrobat podcast. I hope to see you on Patreon and thank you so much for your support of the podcast. It's my intention that the Live Like an Acrobat podcast will make a lasting positive impact on the circus arts world, performing arts world, creative entrepreneurship world, and acrobatic gymnastics competitive world at large.